Hello everyone, and welcome to Starscream's Ghost, a Transformers podcast, an episode-by-episode -episode podcast guide through the classic Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. I am Jeremy Graves, and of course, joining me each and every week on this here podcast is my good friend in crime, Mr. Andy Hanley. Mate, how the heck are you doing today? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. It's, uh, you know, it's continuing to celebrate the fact that we reached the end of season two of rewatching all of Transformers, which continues to be a thing that just like pops into my head every now and again. Like, oh, we, we've done that already. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty mind-blowing. And we should say from the outset, everybody, this is a different podcast to what we would normally do. This is very much what we're calling our bonus episode number two, because if you have indulged in our previous bonus episode we looked through some dvd extras took part in a quiz and sort of gave an extract of that in audio form this time it's very much intended to be more of a fuller bonus episode but this is also going to be our season two wrap-up episode if you will there will be some season one talk in here as well most likely but we've got a good few things on the cards for this edition of the podcast before we go any further, if you are listening to us in audio-only form through the likes of Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, thank you very much for checking us out. Alternatively, if you're checking out the video version of this podcast, which we would encourage you to do on this occasion, as there will be some very visual elements involved as we progress. More details as we get further into this edition of the podcast. If you want to find us on Twitter or Instagram, we are at StarscreamsPod. And if you feel so inclined, you can drop us an email on StarscreamsGhostPod at gmail.com. So I mentioned this is a season two wrap-up episode of sorts. The reason that I say that is because as we teased at the end of the last podcast, Andy and I have decided to do the unenviable task of trying to make what I'm going to refer to, Andy, I think, as the, the pre-movie top ten episodes for us personally both respectively yeah yeah it's uh it seemed like a good idea at the time <laughs> and then i had then i had to sit down and make my list and like why did we why did we agree to do this this is actually quite hard um which uh, to be fair it sort of it broke down you know we'll, we'll go through it but it, it sort of broke down into two categories for me where there was a really obvious bunch of episodes of like oh no these are real high up my top 10 and then there was sort of you know uh a cluster of other episodes that like I kind of like all of these for specific reasons even you know flaws and all and like where do I put these in this list and that's kind of how, how that came down for me yeah uh, uh, my list I think is going to surprise you and other people perhaps in more ways than I possibly imagined <laughs> in some ways because uh, admittedly I I don't remember because I, I was thinking of trying to go back through all all of our podcasts just to see what I thought of every episode and whatnot just kind of briefly skimming through I decided to not do that and I sort of tried to build it based on my memory and then maybe kind of like looking through my notes and thinking oh yeah that was a good one or oh no I don't want that on my list kind of thing so and the list I've come up with I think one or two choices may surprise people because I, I don't remember my reaction and it may not be one you would necessarily associate with perhaps what I enjoyed. But I suppose, mate, we might also just figure this out before we go because we could have talked about this off air, but you know, this is how we how we roll, no pun intended. Where would we like to begin on this bonus episode? Because we've got our top 10 episodes we want to do. We're going to look at some DVD extras once again like we did in our previous bonus episode. This time, we'll be looking at DVD extras from my 2003 release of Season 2, Part 2. Which, fun note for you, Andy, this was an MVC-exclusive DVD. 
Oh, yeah, God. I, I, I mean, I do occasionally find myself lamenting and missing MVC. Like, that was a really important kind of seminal point of my life. Like, I, I sort of remember... I guess it, it really sort of hit its peak, like, just after I kind of left school and kind of got my first job and had some disposable income. And MVC was kind of, like, the place that I went to spend a bunch of that. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, what's out on DVD this week? Like, it's how I got into Evangelion, like, on the anime side and, and all sorts. So, yeah, RIP MVC, as it were. I completely agree with you. It's how I got into loads of anime stuff, just going in there every week, like you said. It's how I got into a lot more of the heavier music that I'm into. Just going in there, seeing what was being released. It was always, I always really enjoyed the way it was very much focused on music and video. You got lots of other shots, but there was something nice about MVC. Plus, there was the MVC club, so you got a couple of quid off on certain things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was the thing. It, it felt it felt so special when you handed over your card and got like a quid off something that you could probably have found a pound cheaper somewhere else, to be honest. <laughs> but like, but that was in the day that that was sort of you know before like you know loyalty cards became a big thing in supermarkets in the UK and stuff. So it felt actually really special. And of course, their marketing like bigged up. You're part of this exclusive club. Like, never mind. There are like hundreds of other thousands of people in this club. Like, no, it's just for you. And it it always it always felt nice. Definitely. So the reason I brought this up is because the sticker on the front says the following. Visit TransformersDVD.com for your chance to win a framed print featuring, quote-unquote, Devastator at the Space Bridge, drawn by Transformers artist Lee Sullivan. No purchase necessary. Closing date 31st of August 2004. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very disappointed to tell you that, that TransformersDVD.com is now a home automation website. Um, <laughs> that is, it's, it's trying to... Sell me a, a, it's trying to tell me about the discovery of chainsaws, um, amongst other things. So, was there uh, ever a chainsaw transformer? <laughs> there, there was not, sadly. And also about garden tools. I don't know, this is all very confusing, but there appears to be no way I can enter the Transformers DVD contest. So I'm, I'm very sad to say. Now nah, we're about, uh, what, 18 years too late for it, I guess, or so? Yeah. Oh, that's horrifying <laughs> to say that out loud. Oh. <laughs> So, yeah, where do we want to begin, Andy? Do we want to look at some DVD extras, see what was included on the DVD, or would you like to begin with the top ten? No, now no, no, we've been, been teased with uh, like the, the competition and what that box looks like. I, I want to dig into the DVD and see, see what we got. Cool. Let's get this quickly set up, then. So, if you're watching the video version, you can see the menu of Disc 3, which is where the extras are. Just going to go straight down to the special feature. I mean, Andy, you know what, actually, for, in, for, for, for continuity's sake, the episodes on this disc, in case you're mildly curious, were War Dawn, Trans-Europe Express, Cosmic Rust, Starscreen's Brigade, Revenge of Bruticus, Masquerade, and B.O.T. I'm pretty sure Masquerade was earlier, so I'm not entirely sure what order this DVD set is following. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's it's clearly not the. Uh, well, I think this is where we sort of got tripped up with like what the broadcast order versus what seemingly the actual broadcast order versus whatever other orders that there are. God, it's like it's like trying to watch Harry all over again. <laughs> so let's see what's in the special features then. So we've got a, oh, the, oh this menu, man. If you're watching the video version, this is a bit trippy. I'll say that much. <laughs> so we've got a quiz, a Transformers game. Character profiles, fan art, scripts, and an Atari game trailer. I mean, unfortunately, there's going to be no sound to accompany this just because 
copyright potential stuff and whatnot. So we are going to be in silence. So there may be some background music, depending how things have gone in post-production, Peek Behind the Curtain. So Andy, where would you like to begin? Well, let's start at the top. Let's 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 do the quiz. Let's see if we can get a hundred. If, if we can maintain our hundred percent record from uh, the last time we did one of these. Right. So, <laughs> is something going to load? I will say, everyone, this disc is like twenty years old. So if things are a little bit ropey with it being read. That's probably the reason. So, Andy, question one: Freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Whose motto is this? A. Optimus Prime, the murderer. B. Ultra Magnus. Or C. Rodimus Prime. Yeah, I mean, this this is the quote that I have thrown back in Optimus Prime's face multiple times during this <laughs> podcast whenever he decides, like, nah, just kill kill him. Um, so, yeah, or, or, you know, imprison them, whatever it is. So that is, yes, very much Optimus Prime's uh, motto, apparently. Very well. So on the basis of this, that, that no message has come up, I'm going to assume that means we were correct. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. I seem to recall we had this last time where we just basically had to like make our own mind up a bit. So question two. Which entrepreneur salvaged Megatron from the Thames in the UK comic? What? <laughs> Is it A, Robert Maxwell, B, Rupert Murdoch, or C, Richard Branson? Was this actually a thing, Andy? I... Yeah, I, I, I think it, ironically, I think it might actually be Robert Maxwell, but I could be wrong. I know it could be, it could be any one of those. Like I, I very much remember this being a thing, but I don't remember which one it is. There's also part of me that thinks like, was Richard Branson in Transformers? Because Richard Branson <laughs> seemed to turn up quite a lot. Um, but I don't know, like it, it feels, yeah, you see, the, the, I, I'm like, talking myself into it now like maybe it was Richard Branson because like I don't know Robert Maxwell is the obvious answer for like it being Megatron um I don't think it was Rupert Murdoch because that's he's Australian like you know even though he has a lot of UK papers that doesn't make sense I'm 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 gonna go with Robert Maxwell but I'm starting to think that it might have been Richard Branson okay for anyone unaware Andy how would you best describe Robert Maxwell um I'm not sure it's repeatable on this podcast. Um, he, 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 he was an entrepreneur, as, as mentioned here, but also a, a very terrible man in many ways um, who, yep. who ultimately met an untimely demise or a timely demise, depending on how you look at it. Mm. I'm trying to think, like, I don't see for, for me, just because I remember Richard Branson so prominently just being around if that makes sense. Like, he always seems to be about in media and whatnot. I remember growing up. And just for some reason, I would think that would have more cachet in a piece of media than it would do one of the other two. For me, personally, if it, thinking of it's like, you know, a comic for perhaps children or teenagers and stuff. That's just my line of thinking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was like a very... He has a very recognisable face. He had a very recognisable brand. And especially like, you know, in the sort of 70s into the 80s, he was sort of like... Kind of almost like the the British Bill Gates of his time, if you like, in terms of just like a face that you'd look at and be like, oh, I know who that guy is in a way mm. that you wouldn't other entrepreneurs. But let's let's go Richard Branson then, because cool. right. I am I, I I am feeling that might be the answer. <laughs> I'm guessing that was correct based on that. So, so there yeah, we go. Just <laughs> Question three. 
Actor Orson Welles died before he could finish his work as Unicron in Transformers the movie. Who filled in for him? Was it A. Leonard Nimoy, B. Robert Stack, or C. Judd Nelson? Maybe I've just got my history wrong, but and I appreciate next time on the podcast we'll be talking about the movie quite in depth, but... I thought Orson Welles just completed his work like a month or so before he passed away. I didn't realise it was unfinished, if that's the case. This, this is contentious, if I recall, because there have been stories that, yeah, like, you know, he, he passed away before he'd finished recording all his lines for the film. But there have also been, I believe, at least one or two staff members or writers or whatever on the film who said, oh, no, he did record all, all of his lines. It is all him. Um, but the story goes that when if if you if you buy into the line that he didn't complete work on the film before he passed away that it was Leonard Nimoy that did the rest of his lines for the film okay i i genuinely didn't know that so uh, we'll go with uh, a leonard nimoy that was correct there you go <laughs> Uh, and I will say, I, I did just check on my phone while we were doing that, and it was indeed Richard Branson, so we, we are clearly on the right track in terms oh, of... Oh, there you go. No, 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 no response from the DVD being that we got it right. <laughs> Question four. In the Transformers comic, how did Ethan Zachary save Optimus Prime? A, with the creation matrix, B, by helping Ratchet, or C, with a floppy disk? So, first of all, Andy, my first question for you on this. Who is Ethan Zachary in the context of the comics? Um, if, if I explain it to you, it will give away the answer. Oh, okay. All right. So, so, so you know the answer then, clearly. Yeah. The, the answer, and this is not me trolling, it, it is actually C with a floppy disk. <laughs> of course it is. Uh, because basically the storyline, like this, this is one of the many deaths of Optimus Prime, um, <laughs> is basically like, I, I, I forget... I forget some of the exact kind of back and forth, but basically Ethan Zachary has created kind of proto-sword art online, if you will, to keep the anime <laughs> references going in this podcast. Um, but he's created this kind of like this this video game world that, you know, people can be, that minds can be uploaded into. And there's a, a, a whole thing around it, but basically it ends up with like... Opt Megatron, I think, basically puts the offer to Optimus Prime. Like, okay, you want this war to be over... Let's have a battle one on one inside this video game world, um, and like, because you know nobody will be harmed. You know we can we can like figure it out. Like who's the winner? Who's the loser? Um, Optimus Prime wins the game, but kills some of the NPCs in the game in the process. Which TV series Optimus Prime would not care about, as we have discussed. <laughs> but the comic Optimus Prime was like no. I, I appreciate I defeated Megatron, but in doing so, I killed other innocent beings. Therefore, I am the loser. Please destroy me. And the, the deal was that whoever lost in the game would just let their body would be exploded, effectively, in real life. Uh, but Ethan Zachary kind of also sees that Megatron was being Megatron and being duplicitous in this thing and basically cheated. So before he kind of pushes the button to exterminate Optimus Prime, he backs him up to a floppy disk. Um, and so, you know, Prime... It, I mean, I remember this being kind of shocking in, in the comic. Like, there's a big, like, it's almost like a two-panel spread of Optimus Prime just exploding into pieces. Just, like, really horrific. Like, his body is just shattered everywhere. 
Um, and then you get a whole like funeral scene with the rest of the Autobots. He gets launched into space, um, and 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 then after that point, Ethan Zachary's like, oh, by the way, I've got him backed up on a floppy disk after they've launched his body into space. <laughs> so there's then a whole story arc where they have to like go through space to recover his body and find where it's gone, um, which is all actually pretty good stuff. But uh, but yeah, that is how a floppy disk saved Optimus Prime's life. I'm just imagining how much memory Optimus Prime didn't take up than the floppy disk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be like, you know, I seem to recall it's like a five and a quarter inch disk. So apparently all of Optimus Prime's memories take up like about 400 kilobytes or something. <laughs> so. Correct answer. I've never heard that storyline before. So that was genuinely quite fascinating. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, it's, it's really good. It happens pretty early in the comics as well. So it's like, I think this is why like Transformers the movie shocked me less than other people. Because it's like, oh yeah, Optimus Prime dies all the time. <laughs> Question five. The UK Transformers convention auto assembly is held in which city? London, Birmingham, Glasgow. I genuinely don't know Andy, but I would probably say factor in this DVD set was from like 2003. So <laughs> if it's changed locations since then. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure it's always been in the same place because I have been to it once and that was in Birmingham. Um, and I believe it has always been, uh, always been in Birmingham. Correct answer. We're on a roll here. Some good yeah, teamwork. This is, a very, this is a very UK-centric quiz as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> Question six. According to the Transformers cartoon series, who created the Transformers? Primus, Primacon, or the Quintessons? Now, we're delving into season three questions here, Andy. Very much. Yeah, I mean, this feels... This is spoilers for future podcasts. (laughs) But uh, the Quintessons, unless there is someone genuinely called Primacon. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I mean, it it wouldn't surprise me if there is somewhere in the series, but yes, indeed, like Primus is the creator in the uh, the comic continuity, but oh, yeah, okay. apparently, apparently, the Quintessons created them in the uh, in the, uh, the the TV series, which again, I, I seem to recall the comics have to like juggle with at some point because I think maybe the comics did it first with Primus and then the cartoon ignored it and so they sort of had to like write some storylines around like oh the Quintessons say they created the Transformers but actually they were (laughs) lying or something like that if I remember correctly (laughs) and that's interesting in itself a correct answer by the way Uh, that's interesting in itself because in sort of preparing for us talking about the movie next week and whatnot it does seem like that the movie is a point where in some ways the comics and the cartoon do deviate in some notable ways quite a bit. I yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, they've always had a fair amount of divergence. It's sort of weird because there are some parts, like the whole creation matrix idea, like is kind of like pinched from the comics and gets transported into the the tv series at that point which you know you think about it we've had all these transformers created via other means up to that point um and there, there is this weird back and forth where they kind of share and swap ideas as is convenient for them um but yeah like in the comic primus sort of gets written in as the antithesis of unicron like unicron is basically the the satan of, of cybertron and primus is the god basically um, and it creates this whole story around how Unicron ends up becoming a planet. Um, basically, like Primus traps him in a massive like rock slash asteroid, which over like eons Unicron molds into becoming a a planet 
and then figures out how to make himself a planet-eating planet, which is why he's kind of got it in for Cybertron, and he hates the creation matrix. Um, and it, it does a whole bunch of kind of interesting stuff with that. Hmm. Also, it'd help if I hit the right answer. I think I, think I, hit, I hit Quintessons, but as we talked, it is Primus because it's talking about the comics. So now that I've hit the correct answer... <laughs> uh, or did it, I'm sure I'm sure it said TV series. Were those just two different questions, maybe? Oh, maybe. Back. In that case, I've just hit Primus and skipped question seven. So there you go, because it's sending the comics on that one. Yeah, yeah, because I think, I think it asked the TV series one, then the comics one. So oh, there you go. Just, I clearly just looked back at the screen and just thought, <laughs> oh, same question again. So there yeah, you go. Yeah, I, I, I assumed, because I saw it flick off and back on and thought, ah, oh, it must just be the DVD being weird. But uh, no, oh, I think that was what happened there. So question eight then. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> but, but we got it right because Andy talked about it. So there you go. Question eight. Chris Latter, or Latter, not sure how it's pronounced, provides the voice for which Transformer? Galvatron, Swoop, or Starscream? I mean, we it's kind of incumbent upon us to get this one right, because I believe <laughs> he is the voice of Starscream. <laughs> Sadly, no longer with us as well. Mm. Correct answer. Question nine. In the Transformers comic... Who was originally created to be a Decepticon? Grimlock, Jetfire, or Omega Supreme? I think this is still Jetfire, the same as the cartoon, he says, with some doubt in his mind. It definitely isn't Grimlock. I can't I can't remember what Omega Supreme's like origin story in the comic is, but I'm sure they just I'm sure the Autobots build him. So I'm I'm gonna say it's still Jetfire. Mm. Only thing that comes to mind, because obviously I don't know I mean, do you recall off the top of your head in, in general what the Jetfire's origin is? Because obviously in the context of the cartoon, as we saw in season one, he was, you know, a scientist with Starscream and then got lost and was frozen on Earth for years and ended up just being a Decepticon because Starscream found him. To begin yeah, with, like, yeah, like I, I feel like I could be completely misremembering, but I feel like it was quite similar. Like I feel like that was one of the bits of sort of shared DNA the two had, where they both sort of played with the same idea, and certainly like throughout continuities now, Jetfire's always had this sort of weird. Because I think even like that recent Netflix series that like the, the Polygon animated one I seem to recall has the same thing. With, War like, for Cybertron, Jetfire. yeah. Yeah, with like Jetfire slash Skyfire kind of like ch changing sides or having like an uneasy sort of, you know, relationship in terms of who he belongs to. But I'm, I'm sure the comics are the same as the cartoon there, if, if I remember correctly. All right, and so let's go with Jetfire. Correct answer. And question 10, which I assume is the final question given at last time it was 10 questions. Which action film features a clip of the Transformers cartoon series? Die Hard, Cop on the Edge 9, <laughs> and or, that, or Leon. I'm, I'm calling out that Cop on the Edge 9 isn't a real film. Um, <laughs> and, which probably means that it is and it's the right answer. I mean, I've watched Die Hard a fair few times. I don't. I, I would have been immensely excited if Transformers had turned up in Die Hard, so I'm pretty sure that's not the case um so you're going so you're leaning towards cop on the edge nine or leon <laughs> i just want to say cop on the edge nine just because it amuses me i mean i'm i'm gonna assume leon but man if cop on the edge nine is the answer i'm gonna feel so stupid <laughs> it means i'm gonna have to watch nine cop on the edge films if that was the, the right answer oh correct answer and there's another question okay we'll just keep going then i guess everyone question 11 
In an alternate future in the Transformers comic, who captured Galvatron to return him to Unicron? Was it A, Death's Head, B, Hookline and Sinker, or C, Rodimus Prime? Man, this is... Uh, th- clearly, whoever made this quiz really likes the comics. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's very comic-heavy, this one, isn't it? I, I don't I don't blame them. I think... Because, I mean, Death's Head is like a returning ca- character who, who got his own, like, spin-off in the end because he's, like, a proper bounty hunter. Um, and uh, he's actually... I, I really like his stuff in the comics. But if this is referring to what I think it is... And weirdly, like, I think I was reading some of the the, the latter um transformers classics like uh, us volumes recently and i actually read a storyline that was about i'm pretty sure hook line and sinker trying to return um galvatron to unicron so i'm assuming that is the answer we'll go with b hook line and sinker i mean i was gonna say they all have it in for galvatron but that's basically like <laughs> everybody in, in the show so Correct answer. Question 12. Which of these Autobots survived Transformers the movie? Spoiler alert, everyone. <laughs> Was it Cliffjumper, Wheeljack, or Prowl? Now, I mean, double spoilers. I know you watched this just days ago, Jeremy. <laughs> so I'm putting the spotlight on you for this one. Did, did you pay attention to the, the body count and who survived? I mean, out of those three, my answer would be Cliffjumper. Because I'm pretty sure I saw the other two... Well, I saw one of them at least being off in quite the overly dramatic way at the start of the film. And the other one was just dead partway through. Yep, yep. I mean, Prowl gets uh, gets it right at the start and the, the attack on the, the shuttle. Uh, Wheeljack, yeah, you just... Even more unceremonious, you just see his dead body in the attack on Autobot City. And then, yeah, somehow, given everything we've said about that character throughout <laughs> our viewing of Transformers thus far, right at the end, Cliffjumper gets saved and escapes Unicron as he blows himself to bits. <laughs> hey, Cliffjumper... <laughs> I, that does make me laugh as well. I know this is kind of going into like movie territory for next week, but th- that did make me laugh. And it's like, of course you survived. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I can't remember what it was quite recently, but yeah, it was just making a note of like the the final scene in that film. And again, we're just spoiling like next week's podcast at this point. But the final scene of that film, it's all almost all just like OG Transformers, the few that have survived that they show. And it's just like, was that is this just their like apology? To the kids watching, like, look, we haven't destroyed all of your toys. Like, some of them are still okay. <laughs> Question 13. Which one of the Decepticon Seekers has the ability to teleport? Skywarp, Ramjet, or Dirge? Skywarp, right? I mean, it's right there in the name. <laughs> like, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty much... <laughs> I've genuinely never noticed that's in, in the name until now. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, Ramjet also kind of lives up to his, his his billing. Like, we've seen him crash into a few things. Dirge, I mean, Dirge just kind of sucks. Um, and, yeah, Skywarp is the, the teleport guy. He's, I don't know why I've never actually noticed that Skywarp means literally what it says in the tin i just thought it's a cool sounding name yeah yeah amazingly very occasionally they actually name transformers after something that they can do (laughs) so a skywarp correct answer next question 14 quote unquote bring me the head of galvatron 
which Transformer said this on the cover of a UK comic? Unicron, Megatron, or Rodimus Prime? So I remember this as one of the kind of many iconic UK covers um, that was a really cool, striking one. Really good kind of one-liner as, as like a, a, a speech bubble. Um, and it is Rodimus Prime. Do you know what? Out of those three, I was probably going to go with Unicron, not having known it. Because it's like, Rodimus wouldn't say that. Yeah, yeah. Like, Rodimus Prime goes some places in the UK comic, I will tell you. (laughs) In a sort of weird, unintentional way, it's almost amusing how we're actually priming ourselves now for the movie and the next season with these questions, given the characters involved. Yeah. (laughs) Question 15. Who does Spike marry? Jesse, Carly, or Tyler? I mean... Look, we know that Spike likes like to get around, or tried to, in the episodes that we've watched occasionally. I'm gonna guess Carly, given I'm pretty sure we haven't been introduced to the other two, if at all, ever. Yeah, yeah, I don't... Well, I mean, th- there are clearly so many names in Spike's mobile phone, or if he had a mobile phone in the mid 90s In his pager. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in, 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 in his filofax. There you go. <laughs> filled with... Actually, even that's probably a bit, a bit early for this. Um, but yes, it is indeed Carly, who is his, uh, his wife. Like, I don't know what she's doing, marrying Spike, but that's what happened. <laughs> Correct answer. Oh, there's more. Question 16. What is the Autobot's computer called? Mother, Hal, or Auntie? I mean, I hate to say it, Andy, I wouldn't have called it any of those because I thought Teletran as soon as the question came up, but I, I have no idea. Yeah, this, I mean, again, they, they've kind of mislabeled this because this is what a Zero-Sobot's computer called in the UK comics uh, ah. because he's, it's not called Teletran. Maybe it is also called Teletran, but, like, it has another name. Um, obviously, Hal is not it because that's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mother would just be weird. Um, it is uh, auntie. Makes sense. I don't know where that came from, though. Like, do they have aunties on Cybertron? <laughs> Coming soon to a comic near you. I was, I was hoping that was going to be the next question on this quiz. Like, are there aunties on Cybertron? <laughs> question 17. Which one of these is not a throttle bot? I didn't even know throttle bots were a thing, Andy. I'm going to be honest. Or maybe I'm just drawing a blank. Is it Outback, Chase, or Freeway? The, the, the throttle bots were kind of cool toys in that like they had that like pullback thing that makes them like drive mm. and then they would like spring up into their transformed form that's pretty um, cool what you've just described there that's pretty damn cool yeah yeah they were kind of all sort of slightly generic cars but it didn't matter because they just did the thing and then they crashed into your skirting board and then your parents would yell at you but you know <laughs> it was worth it um <laughs> I'm pretty sure the odd one out here is Outback, because Outback is just a transforming Jeep. Like, I remember, I'm trying to remember which throttle butt I had. It might have been Freeway, um, and I'm pretty sure Chase was one, because they were really running low on names of Transformers at this point. What do we call the car? Chase? I don't know. Um, but Out- Outback is a Jeep, and I recall him being a standard Transformer. I mean, out of those three, what you've just said, that makes the most sense. Like, especially because Outback being a Jeep. You know, I'm happy about that. Correct answer. We're doing good, Andy. We're doing good. Question 18. In the comic story, City of Fear, who tried to turn Cybertron into a giant rocket ship? Was it Flame, Megatron, or Lord Straxus? Ooh, that's actually quite a tricky one. Because... 
they're, they're all jerks who would try to turn Cybertron into a giant rocket ship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not Megatron, um, but I'm torn as to whether it strikes us all flame so i guess just to elaborate because i'm i'm not familiar with flame or lord Straxus off the top of my head or maybe ever for all i know can you give like a brief background slash summary of who they each are yeah i mean lord Straxus kind of like took on like almost the shockwave role of being like cybertron commander kind of later in the series um or i guess maybe not even that late in the comic series because in the comics shockwave comes to earth like pretty early on um, and you know, kind of, well, he sort of backs and forth. But like, mm. I, I seem, I seem to recall it's like when Shockwave leaves Cybertron, Straxus is put in command and kind of is very quick to uh, t- to make the most of that. Uh, Flame comes later in the comics and sort of is, I think he's more like Galvatron era, if I remember. Um, and he's pretty unhinged as leaders, even as Decepticon leaders go. So he is perhaps the more likely to turn Cybertron into a giant rocket ship. So if I'm doing a 50-50, I'm going to guess Flame. But also I would not have been surprised if it was Lord Straxus as well. I remember this storyline. I just can't remember where it happens in the comic continuity to figure out which character it was. Do you recall if it was the UK comic or was it the US one? I think this was UK comic stuff. Most of the good stories were the UK comic <laughs> stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I think this was I think this was all in the UK side of things. Okay, let's go with Flame. Correct answer. <laughs> Question nineteen: What does Optimus Prime mean? Leader one, best first, or biggest man? I, I officially now want Optimus Prime to be called any of these instead of <laughs> Optimus Prime. Like, I want to see the really bad sort of, like, translated fan sub somewhere. Someone who had bad English, who just, like, call him, him like, best first or biggest man. Um, or, I mean, Le- leader one was the GoBot, so I'm going to write that one out of the list. So, sorry, are we, go- are we going with leader one? Sorry, I was too busy. No, I was too no, busy. No, no, uh, le- just to le- give you context, right. In my brain, I was just thinking... I wonder if in the Takara dub of Headmasters, if Optimus Prime was randomly called Biggest Man. <laughs> I mean, probably. I mean, that's the weird thing once you get into, like, Japanese thing, because he's just called Convoy. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, is <laughs> it's an entirely different thing. I mean, Le- Leader One is the, the, the leader of the GoBots, um, so definitely not, not that one. Um, but, I mean, I guess Best First is probably the closest... <laughs> Which sounds more like some kind of cheap clothing shop, you know, some kind of like Primark knockoff. But. <laughs> it's like if you're going around. Hey, dude, this is a weird comparison. It's like if you find a chicken cottage on Camden Town High Street rather than a KFC. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly, it's exactly that. All right, so we'll go with best first then. Best, best first. Correct answer. <laughs> Question twenty: Who shrunk the bounty hunter? Death's Head. I'm going to assume this is another comic-based question here. Mm-hmm. Is it Circuit Breaker, Doctor Who, or Judge Dread? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember this. this. I mean, this might even have been, as I mentioned, like Death's Head got his own spin-off comic, um, and I suspect this is probably a reference to that. 
um because he proved like sufficiently popular in the transformers comic and because obviously marvel owned the property without having to do anything with hasbro they uh, they kind of made use of it um i mean circuit breaker was very much transformers uk comic continuity hmm. although i think they span her off as well uh, i think i talked about that in a previous podcast yeah. um but yeah like i mean doctor who and judge dread both also Marvel properties. He probably turned up in the Death's Head comic. I don't know who is which of the two is more likely to shrink Death's Head. Um, I don't know. Does Judge Dredd have a shrink ray? I know nothing much about Judge Dredd. <sighs> I honestly, I I've just got no idea based on this. There was part of me that's thinking. Has there been a Transformers Doctor Who crossover? There must have been. Why am I even oh, thinking yeah. that? Like, but... I, I, I remember that more than there being a Judge Dredd one. So I'm going to go with Doctor Who just off of the basis of that. And Judge Dredd seemed like he just murdered Death's Head, not shrinking him. <laughs> shrinking him seems like more of a Doctor Who thing. Mm. Doctor Who then. Oh. Oh. We've got oh, a Megatron oh. on screen, which I guess means that was incorrect. Oh, congratulations. You've oh. won. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Megatron, for being confusing. <laughs> Thanks, Megatron? <laughs> well, there you go, Andy. We, uh, we we won the quiz, apparently. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. So once again, our credentials as Transformers podcasters have been proven. So <laughs> I'm going to hang that one up on my wall. Put it on my fridge. Uh, let's delve into character profiles next, just for a quick change of pace. Let, let's see what was on this one. So we've got Menasaur here. Because I think last time we had a bunch of people, but I, I mean, already on this one, for, to... For audio listeners especially like that the presentation is different because menasaur is already appearing to be a screenshot from the cartoon rather than a, a comic inspired image yes yeah they seem to have uh, done some photoshop work this time then we've got superior that's not that's not how you spell aerial bot but okay <laughs> i mean what is it? is it like named after the washing powder like what's going on there? <laughs> Bruticus. <laughs> There's one thing we find, Andy. It's we're finding, yeah, well, we're finding typos, of, aren't we? I, re I recall all of these DVDs are kind of notorious for being full of typos and errors, and I know mm. we found a bunch on the last one, so mm. I'm, I will continue to proofread it for them. We've got Defensor, ago. you know, the protector bot who randomly showed up at the end of season two. Yeah, I mean, this this is more of an origin story than the actual cartoon gives it, to be fair. Like this. <laughs> I mean, heck, you know what? I'm going to read it out, Andy, seeing as we never actually got a Defensor origin. Let's see what they say on here. Defensor is the Autobot's guardian of humanity, and it's a role he relishes. Consider considering himself part of the human race, he selflessly protects his charges from the marauding Decepticons. Unfortunately for Defensor, his affinity for humans is not reciprocated due to his hulking size and formidable appearance. Defensor is too selfless to be an effective warrior, as he thinks of saving others over winning battles. In this respect, he more closely resembles the character of Optimus Prime than anyone else, a more fitting compliment you couldn't wish to receive. See, that 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 could have made a good episode, right? Right. You know, you've 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 got a good a good storyline there of like, you know, Defensor just wants to sit in your house and watch TV and be your buddy, <laughs> but he can't cuz he's a big robot. <laughs> cuz he can't fit. <laughs> yeah. Then we've got one for Blaster. Oh, and in fact, that, that is the final character bio. Yeah, there's a, there's a random one at the end, just like, oh, we quite like Blaster. Like, <laughs> give Blaster one. Combiner, 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 Blaster. Blaster. <laughs> oh, well, uh, there we go. That, that was good fun, Andy. We had a good had a good laugh of that. 
Yeah, yeah, indeed. And we won the quiz again, so I'm I'm happy. I've been I've been nervous about that for like a week. Like, what if we, we mess it up? What if we get all the answers wrong? But, but we were fine. We were fine. But don't worry. As we gradually get through season three and eventually season four, I do have the next UK DVD set because I did order it the other day. So yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully there are more quizzes in store for us in our future and more more comic questions I won't know the answer to, no doubt. I think at this point, Andy, what we should do. Before we get onto our top 10 lists, we sort of had a little bit of a discussion about it at the end of the last podcast when it came to sort of an overall thought on season two. Any additional thoughts in hindsight now that we've sort of sat on that for a week, as it were? Like any additional thoughts on season two now that we've got through all of it? No, no, not really. I mean, I think it just continues to sort of surprise me how much I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I think I'm sure it came across on the podcast as well and probably came across to you that I was a bit pensive about season two because it's like, oh, I've heard stories um, and I'm, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, I was really worried that I was going to get partway through and it was going to become a slog of like, oh, I've got to watch some episodes of this every week. Um, but it really didn't. Like every batch of episodes had at least one kind of pretty decent one in it. Um, and even like the bad episodes, I could appreciate with adult eyes that the writers were having a really good time just being dumb and goofy with them. Um, and so, yeah, like it was it was mostly pretty good stuff. Like there are a few rotten episodes in there, but really not that many in the grand scheme of things. Like I feel like most of them had some semblance of value to them. And I came away being like, yeah, you know what? That entertained me. I had kind of a good time. I agree. I I just still really enjoyed season two, just as a whole. It was just fun, and like like you like you alluded to, I was kind of ready for there to be some real dross. And if you had to, I think I said it on the last podcast as well. If you had to weigh up the dross versus the good, there was far more good than dross. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like they're probably only a, like if somebody sat me down and said, right, you've got to watch all of season two again but you can skip like three episodes like that would be fine like i'd be like yep yeah, sure there's probably three episodes that i wouldn't watch again the rest of it i will i will go for and i'll sit through again mm. um which is more than i thought i thought it would be like oh you know again like coming to this top 10 it would be like okay well you know it's probably going to be a whole bunch of season one and maybe like a smattering of stuff from season two but actually like i think my list is pretty is pretty kind of split between the two. Like, obviously, there are more episodes of season two, so it has a higher percentage chance. But, you know, the, I, I wasn't begrudgingly dropping episodes in just because I had to fill a ten. Mm. I hear you on that. So, top ten-less, Andy. As mentioned at the top of the show, we, were, we decided to sort of combine seasons one and two here. Very much the, the, the pre-movie continuity, if you will. A couple of ground rules I know that we gave ourselves on this. We decided that a a specifically named multi-part story we would treat as one entry. So, for example, if hypothetically one of us chose the first three episodes, the more than meets the eye parts one, two, and three, that would be one entry on the list. But if it's something like Child's Play and the Gambler, they are two separate episodes because they are not a direct multi-part story with each other. Yeah. So I, I will I will let you decide first of all. Would you like to go first or second when it comes to announcing an entry? Because we'll, we'll kind of alternate. I think is probably one way to do it. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll go. I'll go second on this one. I want to see okay. what your number ten is. Okay. So I want to give you a little bit of context for how my list came together because I know you were talking earlier that you uh, I won't say struggled to make your list work, 
mine came together far easier than I thought it would. Because the way I did it was I, I kind of just imagined, right, what are the episodes off the top of my head I just really remember? Almost like what were the ones I could name? Because in some ways I think that's kind of a, a good barometer for what ones really stuck with me and what ones I really enjoyed. And I think I got about seven or eight that I just might able to name straight off the bat. One or two of them probably going to be incredibly obvious based on my past history of them as well. But then I kind of delved into, right, let's see what other episodes there are that I'm just clearly not remembering. And then I started reading up on a whole bunch of them again. And I think maybe I got to the point where I was at 12 or 13 and I had to do away, if you will, for lack of a better phrase, a couple episodes. But I am very content and happy with my list. And to go straight from there to my first episode... I have gone with, based on the order we were following following on the Hasbro Pulse YouTube, Season 2, Episode 8, A Prime Problem, is my number 10. This was the one where, quickly glancing at the TF Wiki for some quick context view, Megatron creates a clone of Optimus Prime to lure the Autobots to their doom. I just remember really enjoying that, and the whole interplay of Megatron not remembering people's names... And then having Optimus Prime versus Optimus Prime in some ludicrous testing situation. I just think in terms of... Because I know part of our criteria as well was kind of imagining... If we were going to maybe give like 10 episodes for a newcomer who could just dive into them. And perhaps enjoy and get a good grasp of what's going on. And maybe just uh, some interesting scenarios. I thought a prime problem would be a, a, a good fun one to throw in there. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely, it was definitely a, a fun little episode. Like it was sort of perhaps like dumber than you might have expected out of its premise but it was it had a lot of fun with what it did and it, it was an enjoyable one to watch so what's your number 10 then yeah so i mean again to, to go into sort of the context of my top 10 like i had like a top five that came together just like that 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 was like the yeah these are the episodes that i really love and or kind of loved previously and you know continue to then there are a few that just easily slotted in as I got to them. I was like, yeah, you know, those are maybe not quite top five, but they're they're pretty good. And then it was sort of like the the last sort of couple of slots where there were lots of episodes that really all sat around like the same kind of level of enjoyment for me. And it's like, well, what do I pick here? Like, because there are so many kind of decent ones that I would be quite happy to have as like number nine or number ten. Um, and I so I ended up throwing a curveball from number ten um, because I I sort of. I, I wanted to represent some of the kind of interesting, like, character-centric episodes that we had. And, like, you know, some of those were not great. Some of them were a lot better. But the one that I sort of found myself increasingly fond of was The Master Builder. Mm. Uh, which is, like, Hoist and Grapple going off in a huff because they can't build their thing and then becoming buddies with the, um, the uh, Constructicons. And I kind of really liked that for being pretty different from like the norm of a lot of the episodes of the show and even a lot of the character centric ones that were very much a case of you know nefarious decepticon plan and that's sort of like the main story whereas this was sort of interesting because it was 
one of the few times you get to see like Autobots and Decepticons just sort of, sort of like collaborating as equals and you know they're just hanging out building stuff and just like helping each other out and it was sort of this really interesting sort of counterpoint to the usual you know sl slagging each other off and shooting at each other that you get from this show and I kind of ended up thinking like yeah that was kind of actually really refreshing like it's maybe a bit of a palate cleanser for the series as it was at that point um but it's like yeah that was that was something different and I kind of I respect it for that yeah I I can't remember exactly my thoughts on that episode but I don't recall I I loved it I'll put it that way but yeah. I do remember enjoying the dynamic of the constructor cons at one point seemingly going behind Megatron's back to do this and that kind of being like a little side story within the grand story I did enjoy that part yeah yeah for sure so my number nine also from season two it's season two episode 11 on Hasbro Pulse it's one which simply put Andy it has probably one of the best moments ever in the episode it is the episode Microbots it's when we got to see drunk Megatron and come yeah. for a few minutes. And the, the story is a quick refresher for people. Perceptor, Brawn, and Bumblebee must shrink themselves to go inside Megatron and retrieve an artifact, the heart of Cybertron, that gives Megatron enormous power. And it, it, I, it was just a, a fun episode. It had that whole fantastic voyage, fantastic journey vibe to it. Lots of fun things about it. Going inside just a, a Transformer in general. It was one of those unique scenarios where you get to explore another element of kind of in a way transformers lore in a very roundabout way of it but i just i just remember enjoying that episode as a whole it was a bit ludicrous for a storyline and the whole drunk scene is still one of the greatest things ever but again just a fun episode and also quite a nice dichotomy in many ways to a prime problem yeah 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 that was definitely definitely a fun one i mean yeah drunk decepticons will continue to like live in, in infamy on, <laughs> on this podcast um and yeah like the, a, again one of those hilarious sort of for, for one week only it's this a big important thing like the whole heart of cybertron thing which never gets mentioned ever again um but yeah that, that was a that was a fun installment so what's your number nine then so my number nine, I suspect this may be higher up your list, but I could be you know, putting words into your mouth. Uh, my number nine is Wardorn, um, the, the origin of Optimus Prime, uh, where it turns out he's a stoner surfer dude. Um, <laughs> which, you know, it's like, it's kind of like not an amazing episode in terms of some of the stuff it does, but I really appreciate the backstory that it gives and getting to see a different era of cybertron and yeah like the whole orion pack saying it's all of that is played out really well um and uh, you know it's kind of and again i mean you know we, we've sort of been talking a bit about how like re-watching all of this sort of recontext recontextualizes the movie um and this episode in particular kind of makes me think about hot rod in the film and like you know how you see his progression and it's like it kind of like mirrors what you see of orion pax in certain ways in uh in this episode and whether that's deliberate or not i don't know but it was kind of an interesting an interesting little little journey yeah war dawn is a really good episode it's one of the, it was one of those ones that i was very tempted to put on my list but i'll tell you now andy it, it wasn't on my list oh wow okay. it's not on my list it, it is an episode i really enjoy but when it came to making the top 10 it almost for some reason just didn't fit 
it's hard to explain and perhaps when I sort of go through the entire list later it might make a bit more sense because I think as we progress you'll kind of notice a theme happening when it comes to perhaps episodes I have picked but my uh, my number eight I, I finally now go to season one for a change which it is interesting because obviously my affinity for season two is far stronger than season one like we've established that on all the podcasts we've done yeah but there were a couple of season one episodes that immediately jumped out at me when I was building this list. This was actually one of them. It is the episode War of the Dinobots. Now, in this one, this is the one where Snarl and Swoop get added into the equation. Mm-hmm. I was tempted to go with the actual origin episode of the Dinobots, but I just felt like doing this one because there was the whole dynamic, if memory serves, of Grimlock effectively turning on Prime. And the three Dinobots joining Megatron for like a little bit because he manipulates them. And then you have Snarl and Swoop come in just to kind of even up the day and whatnot. If I've, Unless I've got that entirely wrong, in which case, oops. But I felt this one was good because it was, it show, managed to showcase all the Dinobots. It showed, a, it showed how crafty Megatron could be. It showed off the power of the original Dinobots. And just lots of different characters and interplay involved as well. I, I really remember enjoying that one a heck of a lot. But probably particularly because Swoop was involved, I'll be honest. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that that is probably like the best Dinobot-centric episode that the series has. Like, yeah, it was definitely one that I, I was sorely tempted to put it in my top 10 and it kind of didn't quite make it in the end, mostly because... I think it was this weird sort of comparative thing of like that versus other season one stories. And I didn't want to put just all season one stories. So <laughs> I kind of parked it, but yeah, that's, that's a really good episode. That's certainly one. Like I, I have very like vivid memories of parts of it from my childhood that it was kind of nice to revisit on this podcast. So what is your number eight? Yeah, so th- th- this one is kind of maybe not a shock if you've listened to this episode of the podcast, but if you heard me going on and on about it on a regular basis beforehand, it might be a surprise because my number seven is, uh, or my number eight rather, is uh, The Girl Who Loved Power Glide, which I kind of, <laughs> to be fair, I didn't completely lambast it, but I was like, yeah, I've seen from, I had that episode on VHS and it kind of sucked. Um, and yeah, I was wrong. Like, it is weirdly the best animated episode in the show. Um, thus far, which is the main reason why I picked it, because the animation, like, for all of the pre-movie stuff, this is way better than any of the other episodes for some random reason. Um, uh, but actually, like, it has good characters in the story as well. Like, I mean, you know, the, the, the Power Glide slash Astoria love story slash relationship plays out really well, um, against the background of a, you know, kind of slightly run-of-the-mill, but it, it works pretty well storyline. And, uh, yeah, I was... I almost put this high just because of how surprised I was at how good it was compared to what I remembered. Um, but uh, for me, it just like it, it is so well animated. Like if if you want to just show somebody an episode of Transformers, never mind the story stuff, and be like, hey, look look how cool the robots look when they fight and they fly around. This is probably the one you want to go for. Mm. It, it's interesting because in hindsight, I don't think I perhaps considered from an animation perspective like my choices i think i've i'm more focused on the story like and what happens as a whole if that makes sense but no i i totally agree with you and in a weird way that's kind of been one of the fun stories of us going through season two is you in a way building up to this episode and then you just being pleasantly surprised by it it's been one of the fun things about it 
yeah yeah it's uh it, it was really you know this was one of the episodes where i was kind of like oh okay i guess i have to watch this one and you know I, I came into it in kind of a bit of a negative frame of mind and came out of it like oh man this is so much better than i ever remembered it being so my number seven i'm back in season one andy and it is episode six from season one it is the episode divide and conquer now, in this episode, the Autobots must journey to Cybertron to retrieve a vital piece of technology to save the life of the critically wounded Optimus Prime. I picked this one because it involved Cybertron, and I want to say this was probably the first time we got to see anyone going to Cybertron. I think Chip went with them for memory, so I had to go to Wheeljack's yeah. laboratory. And there was just something about the first time you got to go to Cybertron while we were watching this. And I, it just really stuck with me. And also that whole thing of like, effectively how Optimus Prime did just explode. And it looked like he legit died and whatnot. And the, the interplay with the Decepticons knowing that Prime's really wounded as well. It, it's one of the, in terms of the emotions involved, this is probably one of the, the stronger ones, I think. Involving all the characters and the situation that everyone is involved in. It really stands out. Yeah, yeah. This uh, Spoilers, this is also on my list. So uh, we, will, we will get to it and I, I will wax lyrical about it a little bit in due course. Cool. Well, what is your number seven then? So my number seven, again, slightly similar theme, um, is uh, the God Gambit. Hmm. Um, which again, talking about first, this is kind of the first time we really go properly like off-planet, non-Cybertron in the series, um, and that's kind of cool. Like, you know, it's sort of, it's kind of exciting when you realise this series is not just going to be Earthbound with your trip to Cybertron, that, oh hey, we've got like a literal universe that they can explore, um, and you know, it's kind of cool how season two takes you to different places and different planets um, and does some stuff there. But the God Gambit in particular is really interesting because, A, you know, again, this is quite a good character-centric episode that, you know, you, you get to see Astro Train at his best and in, in typical Transformers style. From this point forth, then he suddenly becomes far less powerful than he's made to be in this episode. <laughs> but, hey, it's the, the way the cookie crumbles. Um, but, yeah, like, all of that stuff's kind of interesting this episode, as I said at the time, really fascinated me because it, it gets super political. Like it really it really puts across like its sort of political points of view in a way that I was not expecting for a kid's cartoon. Um and it's sort of one of those interesting like something for the grown up, something for the kids kind of thing. Um and yeah, I th I think it's really strong because of that. It sort of it has it has things that it wants to say, uh, but it also, you know, has some fun Transformers stuff going on as well. Um, and so, yeah, this is kind of, out of all of the, the we're going to another planet episodes, this one sort of felt like it, it really stood out as being kind of surprising and unique, and it went in way, in directions that I was not ready for. Mm. Yeah, that was that was definitely a unique episode. It, it, I'll tell you now, it hasn't made my list, but it was close. It was, when, like, it was one of the, the, the final runners, if you will as part of it because it is such a unique story like you say and kind of the whole political side of it also astro train you know astro train <laughs> exactly so we're now at number number six on our list andy and i've now finally at number six got my first multi-episode story arc and i'm just going to assume this one is on your list and if that is the case i'll probably just wait until it comes up on your list 
But I'm going to say, of course, the ultimate doom from season one. Yeah, that is indeed on my list to come. Yeah, I will. I will hold off on saying any more because, yeah, I, I kind of expected this to be on your list as well. But yeah, the ultimate doom is my number six, and we'll we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. There it is. So your number six then. Yeah, so my number six, this, this one's a bit contentious even for me because as we sort of talked about it in, in very recently, uh, but it is uh, The Revenge of Bruticus, hmm. which is an episode that, like, it's kind of a bit messy, but it has so many good plot lines to it. Like, I, I kind of, the fact that it was basically, like, four different episodes rolled into one is kind of like amazing to me still um and it doesn't quite pull off like having that much in one episode but i totally admire it for having the guts to throw so many storylines together and kind of make most of them stick to some extent um and you know it's pretty high stake stuff it's i don't know there, there are just a lot of individual things there that i liked about that episode and i was just like yeah that was like out of all of the episodes i watched of this show like this was one where it felt like the 20 minutes went by the fastest because it was just like whoa we just, we just went and here we are at the end cool yeah revenge of bruticus was certainly special my the first thing that came to my mind when you said revenge of bruticus was gargoyles literally the first thing that just came into my head <laughs> but yeah it, it's cool to see on your list an episode from so late in season two has made it onto your list as well because I, I i mean this in the nicest way possible your transformers history compared to mine is in a way so much more vast so i can imagine what really hits with you just when it comes to transformers based on what we've discussed here about episodes and also your love for the comics and stuff so it's really cool to see that an episode that late on like made it to your list in that way yeah, and I, and I think, I mean, that that does also sort of tie back into, like, you know, as, as I said on the podcast, like, the whole special team slash combiner team thing was such a big event, like, across all of the spheres of, of Transformers that it has still, like, stuck with me. I mean, I ended up, I, I saw, like, a when I was looking up the special teams cassette tape on YouTube, there was a, a guy who'd recorded said cassette tape and put it on YouTube, but he also, like, recorded his own, like, sort of afterward to it about owning that tape and like how cool it was and like echoed a lot of the things that I remembered from that time of it just being such a big event and so there's definitely like this episode in particular there's a bit of a sort of and also like the Stunticon origin episode that almost made it on my list that's just this like while I don't have nostalgia for this specific episode because I never didn't see it at the time or don't recall seeing it at the time the whole those combiner teams like still like kind of hit hard for me because it's like oh man they they were so important and made to be like the biggest and bestest thing ever when i was a kid and so getting to see them just doing their thing um has been you know one of the fun things about those late season two episodes hmm. yeah that it's it's just it's really cool it's on your list mate I'm, I'm gonna be honest i can't add anything more to it it's just a fact so, my next pick, we're at number five now, flipping heck, we're already at number five. So, in some ways, this is probably incredibly obvious this one's going to be on my list, given how much affinity I had for the story going in. But the two-parter Desertion of the Dinobots is my number five. It's just, first of all, is it on your list, Andy, at all, this one? It is, it is not, no. Okay, so we shall talk about it now then, but... I had, like I said, I had a lot of history as well. I watched this tape a lot. And the story lived up to my recollection and expectations going in. 
And just the whole dynamic that all the Transformers need, what was it, Cybertonium? And it involved Spike and Carly having to go to Cybertron and the Dinobots just walking out again and going to Cybertron themselves and stuff. There were so many great just plot devices in there and just a really, really fun two-parter. And plus, you got to see loads of Cybertron, which is great. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the weird thing for me is like I, th- there was a point where I countenance putting this on my list, but for me it was like I really liked the second part of that two-parter, and then the first part was like, yeah, this is okay, and it sort of like you know it, it kind of like dropped it down a little bit for me, but it is it is really good overall. Yeah, it's another good example of like the the trip to Cybertron always seems like a good time in this show, mm. um, so it it always makes for a good episode, especially when you just send a, a couple of puny flesh creatures. To Cybertron. <laughs> So what was your number five then? Yeah, so my number five, talking of trips to Cybertron, was Divide and Conquer, mm-hmm. um, which again, for all of all of the reasons you outlined, like it's the first time we get to return to Cybertron after like more than meets the eye, where we get to see a bit of it, um, which is really cool. And again, th- this one is very much a steeped in nostalgia one because I remember... Because I think as a kid, I, I didn't see like more than meets the eye at the time. And so Divide and Conquer was the first time I'd seen Cybertron in like the in cartoon form. And so it just seemed like extra special and kind of cool. And then you throw in the whole like, you know, the high stakes of, you know, Optimus Prime in peril as sort of a caveat to that. Lots of Wheeljack in this, like big Wheeljack fan. So it was just like ticking off all these boxes for me, you know, as a kid. And so going back to that, it was cool to see it stand up and be like, yeah, this is this is really this is a really good strong episode, and it just has all these kind of scenes and moments that are just like seared into my brain from like decades prior. And watching them again was just like, yeah, this is this is cool. Like I I, I remember really loving this. I'm glad it made it onto your list. So number four. Now, when it comes to the episodes I've got left, I will say for me, it was more about the ordering of these that was probably harder than than some. I will say though, Andy, now, my number one, I immediately knew going in. (laughs) Literally, I knew instantly what it was going to be. So whether it surprises you or not when we get there will be another question. But I immediately knew what episode was going to be my number one. But for number four, I knew this episode was going to be in my top five because it was so good and such good fun. And that is from season two, episode 32 of season two on Hasbro Pulse, The Search for Alpha Trial. Is this one on your list? It's not, no. Okay, so quick recap. Discovering that, that his... That his long-thought-dead love, Elita One, is in the hands of the Decepticons, Optimus Prime speeds to Cybertron on a rescue mission, only to end up discovering something new about his own history in the process. I just remembered how much fun it was just seeing the female Transformers just owning Shockwave and whatnot. And just that whole dynamic that we get to see the female Transformers. And then we get a whole bunch of lore involved as well. And it was just really, really good fun. And once again, another Cybertron-based episode here. Kind of a running theme at this point with mine. But to me, this is one. This is literally one of the standout episodes of Season 2. Let, let, well, of, of Season 1 and 2, let alone Season 2, I should say. 
yeah yeah it's, it, it is a really good episode like that i mean had i not wanted to put some of the more like character centric ones on there this would probably have snuck in a, a sort of like nine or, or ten um because yeah it's really good this this was also an episode that like blew my mind nostalgia wise because you know i i watched this on vhs a bunch of times i recalled nothing of the female like uh the, the female cybertronians and everything about alpha Tryon's beard and i don't know what that <laughs> says about me but like i could remember alpha Tryon himself a lot and everything around that and i mean i guess likewise kind of you know the key to vector sigma like i could maybe that's why i record him because it's like across those two stories but you know I, I there was so much cool stuff that i just didn't remember from that episode and it's sort of it's kind of weird that i didn't um, but yeah, it's, it is good. And again, it's sort of the value of those Cybertron episodes where the creators, the writers could just introduce some new characters and just, you know, they kind of throw away for that episode, but you can do some cool stuff with them. Um, and, you know, it really, it really, you know, serves its purpose. So what's at your number four? Yeah, so my number four, this one... I kind of had it a bit lower down, and then I said the more I thought about it, the more it sort of bumped up the pack. Uh, this is one of a couple of two-parters or multi-parters that I have in my uh, top ten. Uh, and this is Megatron's Master Plan, um, which, again, I think I watched as a kid. I have some recollections of it. Uh, but this is another really interesting series. This is perhaps, like, the best use of a multi-part story because it has a banger of a cliffhanger. At the, at the halfway mark. I 100% agree. And also, just so we can elaborate more, this is my number three. Oh, well, there we go. We can so, segue in. It's, yeah, it's, literally. It's, but I 100% agree with you about the cliffhanger, though. Yeah, it's, it's like we rehearsed this. We <laughs> didn't, by the way, if anybody was wondering. Um, but yeah, like that cliffhanger, like, you know, it's it's a thing that I've said across various, like, um, media, like, you know, uh, be it books, whatever. Like the key to making a good story is like having especially something like this or something like you know a narrator or a bleach in anime where you kind of intrinsically in your head you know the main characters aren't gonna die because that would just be the end of the show and it would you know there'd be no more of it but if you can write a really good story you can still make somebody believe like wait are they actually gonna do this are they gonna like kill off a character a series of characters and if you write it well enough you can get people like self-doubting and being like oh well maybe they are maybe this is going to be a crazy thing and this was like that episode for me like even though i knew there were literally episodes queued up for this podcast after this i still had that oh my god are they actually going to kill all the autobots and it's like i know they're not but in my head in that moment you're just like maybe they are um, so yeah, the cliffhanger is really good. Like the comeback and turnaround for that is all really good and really well done. Again, this is an episode with some really interesting kind of politics to it, with a sort of corrupt politician that 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 you know joins forces with Megatron, um, which is is you know really well done and really well played out. Um, and it's it's a really good balanced episode because it's not just like pew pew fight scenes. It's not just kind of like you know political intrigue or anything like it has a good balance of the various things that it's trying to do and it paces it all out really well over its two episodes so uh yeah this kind of started out as like a maybe like a six or seven and then the more i thought about it it's like no that was actually a really good two-part episode and then it it snuck its way up into into fourth place here yeah affinity with like desertion of dinobots and other sort of multi-parters that you would expect perhaps to be on my list aside. I think this is the strongest multi-part story in season two. Yeah. 
Like, it just, it is. It, it's so well crafted. The whole plan of the Decepticons posing as Autobots, it works so well. It's paced incredibly well. The other thing, and this kind of will probably lead into perhaps a, a recurring theme in a way, if you look at my top 10 list, is the way it involves the Transformers interacting with humans. I think that's a key thing in this, and you've alluded to it as well, like the corrupt politician. I think it was Sean Berger, if memory serves. But just the way it also involves people being on the Autobot side and then just completely just disowning them in a heartbeat. Just the way that human emotion is involved in this as well and the actions of humans. I think that plays such a strong part into many of the stories that we have seen or even just inhabitants, local inhabitants, emotions and such. And this is a perfect encapsulation of that. Even to the point when I think it was like Spike running off to try and find like the tape of, of you know the Transformers being bad. And he's being uh, chased, chased by Ravage over the football pitch, I think it was. Just so many things like that. There's just so much going on. It was just really, really good fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. And it's also like, because a lot of what you see in the series up to this point is like, the sort of the human Transformer interactions are usually on the Autobot side in terms of the, there being anything sort of transactional. And so it's kind of an interesting twist to have, like, you know, humans joining forces with Decepticons, which you get more of, you know, throughout season two. But this feels like the standout in terms of, like, oh, one, this is interesting. Two, depressingly, this makes perfect sense. Because if this were, like, real life, there would totally be politicians who would be like, oh, no, maybe we'll get in, in bed with the Decepticons because, you know, they, they'll they do what's best for us. And, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's definitely a really strong, uh, strong uh, two-parter. Hmm. So, like I said, this was number three on my list, Andy, so I guess I'll throw it immediately back to you. What's your number three? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess this is sort of, like moving on from like my number six because it's kind of the stealth two-parter my number three is star screams brigade this i'm gonna say now this is my number two <laughs> we, we really didn't rehearse this folks honest um yeah i mean this is basically the note i've written here is just like this is how you write an origin story and intro yeah. some new characters like you know it, does, it makes really good use of its existing cast like obviously our our, our podcast, you know, is named after Starscream. So again, it would have been wrong not to have an episode where he features heavily. But like, it makes really good use of him as a character and sort of finally pays off what he's been whinging about for the entire show. Because, you know, it's sort of, you get into that case of like, oh, you know, Starscream complains about Megatron being a bad leader. He would be better in charge. He gets a slap. He shuts up. Um, and this is the episode where it's just like, no, he's he's going for it this time. Like, this time Starscream's actually going to, like, follow through on his complaints that he would be better in charge. And so that's really interesting from the get-go. Uh, but then, like, you know, what it does with the Combaticons is really interesting as a bit of deep lore. And, you know, that follows through into, you know, an, an interesting new problem for the Autobots and the Decepticons. Like, again, a lot of the some of my favorite bits of transformers and especially i feel like season two does it is where you have like a a three-way problem not just autobots v decepticons you've kind of got a third party that gets injected in be it the insecticons or you know starscream going rogue or whatever that makes things so much more interesting because there are all these extra dynamics in play that you don't get when it's just you know oh it's optimus prime v megatron um, and i think again this episode is like a really perfect encapsulation of what you can do with that as a storytelling device 100 percent agree with what you said the thing i will add 
is that to me this episode was the payoff for all the Starscream banter we had seen. Yeah. It just it built up and I think we probably even said it at one point, is it actually gonna lead to anything before the movie? And it freaking does and then some. Like, go back and listen to the recent podcast, everyone. But I should also say, you can listen to us talk about all these episodes we're discussing, on, pre- on obviously on the previous podcast, but our reaction to Starscream finally turning on Megatron, actually, it was just an incredible moment. And I think that's probably more the reason why I picked this episode, is just because of that, fi- that final payoff of the Megatron Starscream stuff. And like you say, though, in terms of an introduction story for a combiner team, it is so damn good, and the way they play it, and also the whole law when it came to the um like the the political prisoners, the renegade Decepticons, like that whole element as well. It just so much going on, and it was such a great time watching it. Yeah, and it, and again, it, you know, it sells it sells you into Revenge of Bruticus as well from like the whole political prisoners angle because you know the the, the Constructicons angle is like, well, we hate all of you guys because like you know the Autobots are our enemies anyway, the Decepticons imprisoned us, and Starscream, you're an idiot. So you know, <laughs> here's our hit list, um, which is you know why it has so much to work through, but it's kind of what also why it all makes sense. Um, but yeah, like that, just that moment, I mean, you know, again, you know, uh, the, 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 well, I think twice actually I swore on this podcast, but like that was <laughs> the main time where it was like, you know, I just wrote down swear words when Starscream just blasts Megatron because it's just like, what? This, this is a thing that actually happens? Like, I feel like a lot of series that have this sort of thing going on don't usually follow through on it at any point. It just becomes the recurring almost joke of like, oh, this person thinks he'd be better in charge and, you know, he always, you know, gets slapped down. But suddenly it's like, no, Starscream's doing this. He's in charge now. <laughs> um, and, you know, all, all of that is is really, uh, is really, really good. I mean, from there, Andy, I hate to immediately throw it back to you just because this was this was my number two, but what's your number two? <laughs> yeah, so uh, my number two is your number one. No, who knows? Who can say? <laughs> uh, my, my number two, I mean, there, there, there was a part of my heart that almost made this number one until I remembered what my actual number one was. Um, and this is A Plague of Insecticons. Um, which, I mean, you, you've seen me getting giddy like a child whenever <laughs> the Insecticons appear in this show, and, like, this is their first appearance. Again, uh, uh, this was one of those episodes, whenever I watch it, and I've kind of watched it a few times, I'm always scared that it won't live up to, like, my childhood nostalgia on it, because, again, I remember this being an episode that just, like, blew my mind, because, like, oh, my God, like, the Insecticons are so cool, look at all these abilities they have, and, oh, my God, now I know that, like, rubber, like, you know, insulates you from lightning, and I can be really smart and tell everybody I know that, which, hey, it worked. Everyone was like, how do you know that? And it's like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you about shrapnel. Um, and so, yeah, like, it had that little educational bent to it that I really enjoyed. But, yeah, it's, it's just a really cool episode that it just... It's really just all down to like the Insecticons having so many awesome powers. It's like they can remote control, they can create clones, you know. I mean, you don't even get to see like Bombshell uses Cerebro Shell, but I knew that was a thing he could do. And I was just like, again, I said this at the time, like this is why I bought, why I got my parents to buy me the shrapnel toy. I'm pretty sure that I saw this episode as like, mum, I need this one. Look, look what he does. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, this is pure Transformers as marketing, but also... 
just a really good strong like quite a traditional episode of transformers in a lot of ways but it works really well and again it kind of has a bit of that third party thing going on as well because the insecticons aren't really on anybody's side other than their own and as that kind of comes into play in this episode it sort of adds an extra dimension to it and yeah just so many like yeah even just talking about it, so many moments just like flash into my head of just like you know the 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 oil link, leaking out of the oil tanker and like that getting thrown around and you know just like the sea is on fire and just like all these cool moments with a lot of kind of my favorite transformers is just like it's catnip to me and i suspect it always will be I think the other thing to add to that as well, and this was also one of the ones that nearly made it onto my list, is you mentioned a few minutes ago talking about when there's like a third, almost like a third dynamic in the story, when it's like a three-way story. And that's what this was, because yeah. Insecticons was such an unknown element, and it, it really added to it. And I, I had a feeling this might be high up your list. And I'm glad it was, to say the least, because it is, it is also a really good introduction to the Insecticons. It just is. Yeah 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 for, for for sure like it kind of it doesn't really have much depth as an intro story but it kind of doesn't need it because they're just cool <laughs> mm. so i'm gonna assume that your number one is what my number six was is that fair to assume yes that would be correct so I tell you, let's talk about that then so we yeah then I'll, I'll tell you my number one in a moment but yeah so your number one and my number six is the ultimate doom trilogy yeah it is indeed yeah like i mean again i this is another one i kind of wax lyrical about at the time on the podcast like this is i liked transformers the transformers cartoon before like this episode but i remember these episodes being like i i feel like these episodes have actually defined like the kind of narratives that i enjoy like throughout the rest of my life like i i really like these kind of like dark everything in peril kind of stories and like this this is like the most probably the most serious story that transformers has prior to the movie in a way like you've got the whole thing with like spike and spark plug where like you know spike was spike plug <laughs> <laughs> no that's not it uh, spark plug has you know been uh, kind of taken over by the hypno chip and there's a lot of real human emotion to that like again i said at the time like kudos to spike's actor like consider all the goofy flirting he does in season two like in this episode we get him like just absolutely like heart-wrenching because he just can't get through to his dad who's just like you know always literally like throwing spanners at him and just being like no you're my enemy now really good lines and then you've got that kind of micro story and then you've got the macro oh, we've brought Cybertron into Earth's orbit, which again, as a kid, that was like, whoa, mm -hmm. you did what? That's so amazing. And like, even as a, as a grown-up, it's like, that's a really kind of crazy, like disaster movie plot point right there. And I just, it really sells you on that where you get to see all the natural disasters going on. Like a lot of the, like the, the sort of the mid part of that is basically both sides fighting against a planet that's falling apart like just trying to deal with earthquakes and fires and crazy lightning storms that's affecting both sides like you know it wrecks one of the Decepticons like bazillion bases probably why they built so many just in case <laughs> um and you know you get all of that stuff even weird little things like um all the Autobots having to follow like with like magnetic like lighting on because the rain is so heavy they can't see out of their windscreens weird little things like that that as a kid i was just like 
I was just so sold on it as just like this is this is real. Like you know, it's not real, but it's it's real. It's like a moment. disaster movie. Yeah, it really is, and like all of that stuff is really good. Like the ending's a little bit iffy like it always feels like a bit of an anti-climax but i feel like the the payoff to that is that it it has built such a an amazing story up to that point that there's not really any good way to end it um and so yeah this was i was kind of toying between this and insecticon plague of insecticons as my number one but this was definitely the seminal moment of my like transformers viewing like where i was just like this is this is amazing. Like, you know, I've, I've never seen anything like this before. Admittedly, that's because I'm like five, but still <laughs> I've never seen anything like this before. And it really like, you know, it, it, I feel like it set the tone for a lot of my media consumption, like up to this point in terms of like, this is the kind of like thing that, that, you know, really opens my eyes and, and makes me interested in something. Yeah. And going back to the point I made a few minutes ago about kind of the human emotion involved in a decent amount of the stories I've picked up. This is another prime example of that. Literally just how... You talked about, like, Spike's actor and his reaction to Spark Plug and whatnot. Like, there's just... There's so much human emotion in this. And I think in a way as well, it's it's one of the first instances where the Autobots are realising the damage that their war is doing... That their war is doing to the planet Earth. It's kind of yeah. the first time it really hits home, especially because their home has come into Earth's orbit as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's also, yeah, because that's the other great kind of facet of this episode is it turns into this, like, do you destroy the Earth or do you destroy Cybertron? Like, mm. you have, like, Optimus Prime having to make that decision of, like, hey, you can stop Cybertron coming into Earth's orbit, but it's just going to get launched into space and it's screwed. Or you can let it come here, but it's probably going to destroy Earth. And, like... That's like the highest stakes decision that Optimus Prime has to make in this decision, which in this series, which is probably why he just murders people from this point. <laughs> um, but, but you know, it's like, and again, I, I mean, that's sort of I'd sort of forgotten that bit somewhat, like rewatching it. But that you know really hit quite hard. Like even watching it recently, of just like, oh man, like that's the impossible choice like especially given like optimus prime sort of allegiance and again the whole freedom is the right of all sentient beings is like it's you know it's sophie's choice um and that that's a whole you know a really interesting angle to it as well um and then on top of all of that you've got dr archibald who's again like really good human villain um who you know we we thought we'd seen the last of but we'd forgotten that he wasn't he, he returns after the, after the ultimate mm. doom but like he he's really good as as you know as part of that whole process as well. And, he, and he's um, the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to the human emotion part I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's kind of his whole like arc in that three-parter and beyond is, is really great as well, where, you know, he's sort of... He, he thinks he's got one up on the Decepticons and that he's smarter than them. And then, of course, that all goes south because that's how these things go. So, yeah, there's so many different elements in play, but they all come across really strongly. And again... It, it makes full use of like it's three episodes that it, it kind of it spreads that story across um and yeah i'm glad that they gave this one a lot of time and and you know care and attention um so yeah it's, it's really cool and bumblebee falls into a ravine so you know it ticks <laughs> that box as well yeah it, ultimate doom is so good and that was one that was probably always gonna make my top 10 like regardless but yeah 
I appreciate it's quite low down. Well, I say quite low down. It's at number six on my top ten list. But that's because, like I said, the other episodes just hit home for me more in many ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, you had to get Kremzik in as number one somehow. So what can you do? <laughs> Mate, if that had been my number one. <laughs> I would be hanging up this podcast. Right <laughs> Out of interest, what do you think my number one is? Do you have any idea? Um... No, actually, I'm not. I'm not sure at, at this point. So yeah, pl- please enlighten me. Well, I will tell you when it's not. It's <laughs> not the key to Vector Sigma. Okay, yeah, it's, which it's not triple takedown. I'm gonna guess. Yeah, thank God it's not triple takedown. <laughs> um, no, my number one is from season two. It's the Immobilizer. Okay, yeah. It's the second episode of season two that we that we discussed. And this is the brief summary. The Decepticon steal Wheeljack's latest invention, which immobilizes stuff, and Ironhide attempts to retrieve it. It's also the debut episode of Carly. And her debut in this is so damn good. She makes such a great impression. It's a really good character episode for Ironhide, which I don't feel we get a lot of throughout all of this. It has him really doubting himself. There's also the element of Wheeljack's invention, like, can anyone stop it? Especially after Wheeljack gets immobilized. And there's a whole thing surrounding that. Also, the very fun moment of when the water has been, like, made to be still and Decepticons just fall in because the timer runs out. <laughs> One of our favourite moments. But for me, the reason I picked this episode is probably because of just Carly's involvement. The way she just steals some bombs from Autobot HQ... Takes a dive boat, dives under the ocean to, to Decepticon HQ and just blows a hole in the side of the base. And stuff like that. And her, again, it's kind of the human element of this, I think is what really sums up my top ten. Is every Anytime there's proper human impact on the story, I think it just elevates it a little bit more. Because it's not just about the Transformers. Even though they are at the forefront of every story, obviously. And rightly so. But I just think this episode has a great bit of everything. It shows off a lot of different characters in multiple ways. Different characters get their own moments to shine as well. But yeah, like I say, it was probably mainly because Carly was the MVP of the story that I picked it. Just because her impact is just so prominent in this episode. And also, we got to see Bumblebee and Spike being an arcade at the beginning. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i'd forgotten about that part yeah i mean i think actually like that's one of the things revisiting this series that i've realized this show does really well is it does have that human element to it with a lot of the human characters it introduces like so many cartoon series like this had you know a human kid or whoever as a character just for the sake of it. Mm. And they were really there to be like the audience cipher of like, oh man, I wish I was them because they get to hang out with the GoBots or whatever. <laughs> and then they kind of never like really did anything much. Whereas kudos to Transformers, like right the way through the series, like Spike and Sparkplug, I mean, I don't say they're not just hanging around being useless. Actually, Spike come season two is kind of hanging around being useless quite a lot. But, you know, their, like, initial, like, introduction, they're a really important part of, like, getting the Autobots bedded down and figuring out how human society works. Then you get Chip Chase, who's kind of, like, smart and does smart computer stuff. Then you get Carly, who is, you know, kind of up up and at him, go get him, kind of, you know, and also super smart. Um, then you get characters like Raul, etc. And then, like we've said, you know, you get people like Sean Berger and Dr. Archibald on the other side who aren't just moustache-twirling villains. They kind of have a bit of depth 
and just sort of like humanity to them, which is sort of, you know, interesting. And yeah, Transformers writes really good human characters sometimes. Um, you know, and, and, and to be honest, you know, what most of its kind of like core characters, you know, are, are pretty are pretty good. Um, and even, you know, even episodes like The Gambler where you have, you know, the the, the I mean, they're not really human because they're on an alien planet, but the, the inhabitants. Yeah, the humanoid characters in like episodes like that kind of have interesting dynamics and their their own kind of stakes and things. And I do feel like yeah, the, the immobilizers are a really good example of that because of Carly, um, who you know kind of just gets in and disrupts things rather than just being like, oh wowee, the robots! I'm gonna hang out <laughs> with the robots. I mean, she does a bit of that. She's kind of into them, but you know, but she 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 has agency. Um, and that's really important. And yeah, I do really like the Ironhide stuff in that episode, which I sort of I I keep forgetting that that was in the Immobilizer episode because mm. yeah, like Ironhide is the sort of character who again is potentially quite one note of you know he's just he's just kind of there most of the time in Transformers. You know, he's the old timer. He's a little bit grouchy, but he gets the job done. He can fire absolutely anything out of his arm cannon like you know that's basically all we learn about him and then we suddenly get this episode where all of that kind of comes back to to to, to bite him in terms of self-doubt and like well maybe maybe i'm kind of past it maybe i'm you know i need to step aside here and it's this really interesting sort of you know moment of introspection from somebody who always seems like he's just fired up and is super confident um, and yeah, like it's quite a subtle point in terms of the grand scheme of the episode, but it's a really interesting one. So there we go, everyone. That is our respective top tens of season one and two. I suppose, Andy, we should probably just kind of alternate going through ten to one from our respective sides so that we can just quickly recount what we have. So my number ten was a prime problem, and yours was? Uh, the Master Builder. My number nine was Microbots, yours was? Wardorn. My number eight was War of the Dinobots, and yours? The Girl Who Loved Power Glide. Don't at me about that. <laughs> My number seven, Divide and Conquer. Yours? Mine was The God Gambits. My number six, The Ultimate Doom, parts one to three. And mine was Revenge of Bruticus. Now into number five territory, Desertion of the Dinobots, parts one and two for me. And for me, it was Divide and Conquer. My number four, The Search for Alpha Trion. And mine was a two-parter, Megatron's Master Plan. My number three, Megatron's Master Plan, two-parter. And uh, mine was Starscream's Brigade. <laughs> My number two, Starscream's Brigade. <laughs> Whereas mine was A Plague of Insecticons. And my number one, The Immobilizer. Whereas mine was The Ultimate Doom, parts one to three. For both of our lists, mate, I think that's a great encapsulation of season one and two there, personally. Yeah, yeah. And again, I mean, it sort of, I, I think it does speak to what we were talking about up top in terms of the overall quality of uh, kind of season two in particular, where like, yeah, some, some of the, the episodes you picked, I'm like, eh, actually, I should maybe have picked those because they're really good. And, you know, 
again, I mean, you know, when I look at this top 10, you know, there's a lot of season two stuff in my list. Whereas had you had you asked me, like, what do you think your top 10 will look at, look like in terms of this breakdown before we started this podcast? It's like, well, it's basically going to be all of season one and maybe like I'll squeeze like an episode or two from season two in there because I have to. Um, But no, like it's really there's a there's a lot of good season two stuff in there. So, you know, I stand corrected. I guess it surprises me a little bit I didn't have more multi-part stories. Because I've only got three in mind looking at the list. And I guess I kind of would have had a shoo-in for Key to Vector Sigma being in there. Or maybe one or two of the others as well. But no, it just... Not to say that Key to Vector Sigma didn't make the cut, because it's really good and I've got such an affinity for it. It's just when I was looking at the episodes I had written down, it's like, it's not beating that one. In terms of the kind of upon reflection as it were by doing the podcast yeah yeah i, I kind of had the same thing yeah like vector sigma was sort of there in my head as like yeah that does a lot of good stuff and again like nostalgia of, of owning well of, of renting that a lot on vhs um so yeah there were definitely you know a fair few that that were pretty close that were you know top no- number nine number ten kind of targets that that didn't quite make it like i mean even some of the sort of weird episodes stuff like sea change and stuff like that there were moments where i was like you know that was actually quite good mm. like i could almost mm. and so, i was tempted yeah, with that one you know that that was yeah. that was kind of up there at least in the top 15 if you will yeah i mean if we had a top 10 transformers voices like sea spray <laughs> way up there so <laughs> So there we go, everybody. I think we're going to probably start wrapping up things now. But of course, next time on the podcast, it's probably arguably a moment we've been waiting for, Andy, since we started doing this, because we are going to be talking about Transformers the movie. That Transformers the movie, the animated one. There, There is a lot to talk about on that. As we alluded to on the last regular podcast, probably going to be a bit of a different order of business. We're going to be sort of going into a little bit of the background of it as well, both pre and post movie, as well as discussing the story probably in a more broad sense and covering a number of uh, of key moments that happened, as it were, rather than going through front to back in depth the movie. Though, as Andy said, he probably could do that off the just without thinking about it too much, really. But next time it is Transformers the movie. And uh, as Andy kind of alluded to earlier in this podcast, in this, in this bonus episode, I have watched the movie. I watched it this past weekend at the time we we're recording it. I'm going to be watching it again, but this time actually taking some notes because I'm not going to say too much, but man, did I have a good time. Andy's got the text messages to prove it. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I very nearly like ditched my original plans. Like once you started texting me about it, like, oh, I, I could just watch it right now. Um, but yeah, I've, I've not, I, I've not done my watch for this podcast yet. So uh, I, I will be doing that over the the coming days or the, the coming weekend. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm always, I'm always excited to watch that film. Like even though I know every beat of it, and uh, you know every, <laughs> literally every beat of the music. You know, I could probably spout all of the dialogue off the top of my head. Um, it's always. A fun time um and yeah i will i will love it forever i'm sure um but i'm very excited to have somebody else to talk talk about with it rather than just like sit and watch it and be like yeah that's so good why does why doesn't everybody like this yeah i'm gonna say now folks it wouldn't surprise me if that transformers the movie podcast ends up being our longest episode <laughs> because 
I've got a lot to say, and mostly uh, not to spoil anything here in particular, but I had a I had fun watching this. And more in awe, I think, than anything. I'm not going to say anything more, because I'll, I'll say something I don't want to say. But but thank you for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this bonus episode, be you listening to the audio-only version or the, or the video version. Thank you very much for checking us out. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a like or a subs- give us a subscribe and whatnot on the platform of your choice. If you want to find us on Instagram and Twitter, we are at StarscreamsPod. And as we said, next week, we'll be back, and we'll finally be talking about the 1986 Transformers the movie. It is going to be a fun time, Andy. And it's it, it, in some ways, it might also be a bit of an emotional one. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we, we'll be saying goodbye, some fond farewells to characters, I think it's fair to say. So, well, well, we might say some fond farewells. The movie might not. <laughs> yeah yeah the, the movie the movie less so um but uh, but yeah very very much looking forward to it um and yeah and, and, and i will say like if, if you've listened to this episode and you think our top tens are all wrong i'm i'm here as much as i said don't at me i'm i'm here to hear your episodes that we you think we missed out that should have been in our top tens because uh, i'm sure i'm sure there are some people shouting at their podcast device of choice being like how could you how could you choose the girl he loved power glide over insert episode here yeah. of course jeremy chose the immobilizer because carly's a badass you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah if, if you do have any thoughts on our top tens everyone let us know we, we would love to hear from you and on that note you've been listening and or watching to this bonus episode of Starscream's Ghost, a Transformers podcast. Until next time when we talk about Transformers the movie, take care and speak to you next time. Bye, everyone.